0: This week, uh, today, um, this morning, we're continuing our fall series, What Disciples Do, as each week we explore another aspect of what it means to follow Jesus. Today, the series leads us to the pastoral letters in 2 Timothy. The letters or epistles of First and Second Timothy, as well as Titus, are known as the pastoral letters because they're focused on the practical, daily, nitty-gritty uh, concerns of the church's life. In particular, leadership in the church. Now, 2 Timothy is probably the most personal in tone of of these hands-on practical letters. The author here from prison implores Timothy to hold the standard of faith and guard this God-given treasure he received through the faith of his mother and grandmother. I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we uh, encounter God's word together from the very beginning of the second letter to Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you, through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed, then, of the testimony about our Lord or of me as prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God, who saved us and called us with the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. And for this reason, I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed. For I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I am sure he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks Thanks be to God. Have you ever been entrusted with something special? Has someone ever given to your care or trusted to your care something very important and valuable to them? I know I have at times throughout my life. It makes you feel special, like you have a calling, a purpose, perhaps even a legacy. Maybe it was a family heirloom, a vital project in your workplace. Perhaps it was being called by our nominating committee to serve as a deacon or elder of the church. Yes, friends, it's that time of year again. In my ministry I've had a number of these experiences, a feeling like someone has entrusted me with something special. My wife's grandfather is a retired Presbyterian minister, uh, one in this presbytery nonetheless. As you can imagine, he was thrilled to find out his granddaughter would be marrying a Presbyterian minister. He's entrusted me with much from his ministry, from his books, most of his library when he he, uh, retired, to a doctoral robe. I guess he's hopeful I'll get one someday. But my favorite, by far, is this crystal pitcher right here. He used it for every baptism he performed in his ministry, which is particularly special because he baptized my wife. This special treasure that he entrusted to me, to my care, forever connects my ministry with his own. I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty special. The author of our letter this morning, whether it's Paul or more likely someone utilizing Paul's name as a pseudonym, this author reminds Timothy that he's been entrusted with something special. He hopes that this treasure will connect Timothy's ministry with his own. But this isn't about a physical possession or a special Bible or something like that. The treasure he reminds Timothy that he's in possession of is his faith. Timothy is reminded that this faith is a gift from God. It's a special treasure that allows him to navigate the troubles life will bring. Timothy is also reminded here that this faith is a responsibility. This special treasure entrusted to him is meant to be shared and lived out, that all may know of God's love and redemption through Christ. Friends, like Timothy, we too have been entrusted with the gift of faith. Sure, our own feeling of faith will ebb and flow in different periods of our lives. There'll be times where our faith feels strong, and others where we want to join in the disciples' plea from our first reading, saying, Lord, increase our faith. But Jesus' words there also remind us that the amount of faith isn't really important. Faith the size of a mustard seed can uproot trees and move mountains. Rather, it's about God's spirit at work within us. This keeps us from thinking that our faith is really our own, as if it's something we could hoard for our own benefit alone. No, like Timothy, this faith is something that's been entrusted to us. The word entrusted in Greek is partheke, And it's more commonly used as a financial term, as a term for making a deposit in a bank. So when you put something in the bank, you're you're trusting that to the bank's safekeeping. This is our God-given gift of faith. It's been entrusted to us, deposited to us. Therefore, it must be kept safe and used well. Trust means it needs to be lived out. As disciples, we take our faith home, that it can be shared and lived. So this faith that comes from God, it's about God's spirit at work within us, but how do we receive it? How do we acknowledge and respond to the presence of God at work within us? From someone else. It takes another person to help us receive this God-given gift of faith. Sure, God could have chose to give us faith on God's own. But instead, God chooses to work through others to bring people to faith. This faith is relational. At its heart, it connects us to God and each other. Now, there's teaching involved in this sharing of faith, telling someone who Jesus is uh, about the Bible, how much God loves us, but it's also more than teaching. It's seeing someone live the Christian life and be drawn to share in such a life. As another pastor, Martin Thielen, said, this faith is caught more than it is taught. For Timothy, as for many of us, he received or caught this faith through his family. The author praises the faithful witness and example of his mother Eunice, who received the gift of faith from her mother Lois. Timothy is a third-generation Christian, carrying on a very special family legacy. I know that I received this God-given gift of faith through the witness and teaching of members of my family. From my mom dragging me, kicking and screaming as a child to church each week, yes, I was that kid. (laughs) To my Catholic grandparents teaching me about saints and the the different aspects of their faith tradition that are important to them. Uh, While my family certainly played a big role in my receiving the gift of faith, others outside of my family played just as large of a role also from my Sunday school teachers who helped teach me the Bible, one of whom actually still listens to my sermons each week, or from pastors in my home church to even just other church members whose presence and encouragement instilled a sense of God's love in my life from a very young age. Friends, unless we're Paul and we receive the gospel on the road to Emmaus by the risen Christ himself, I'm guessing all of us came to faith because of at least one relationship we have with another person in our lives. Now, I'm going to do something really rare for a pastor and be quiet for a moment. Rare, right? And as I do, I'd like for you to take a few seconds right now and think about a person in your life who is instrumental in sharing their faith with you by teaching you who Jesus is or by simply living a Christ-like life. Take a moment right now. Thanks be to God for these wonderful saints. Now, once you've thought of that person, think of a way you can thank them this week. Or if they're no longer living, find a way to tell someone special to you about them and the impact they've had on your life. Also find time in prayer this week to thank God for bringing them into your life. As we said earlier, our faith really is not our own. It's a gift from God really about God at work within us. And this gift entrusted to our care is entrusted to our care so that it can be shared and lived out. So to return to our sermon title, what do disciples do? Disciples take this gift of faith home. To teach it, to preach it, to pass it on, but also to live it out. As Thielen said earlier, faith is caught more than it is taught. For those of us with children at home or perhaps have grandchildren in our lives, how can we take our gift of faith home to our families? How can we live and embody a life of prayer, love, and gratitude to God and service to our neighbors? But this work of passing on the faith doesn't only fall to parents and family members, friends. This is the work of the whole church. Almost every disciple has some opportunity to share and pass on faith to children. When we baptize a child, we as the church make a promise to nurture them in the life of faith. In other words, friends, we're all on the hook for this very important work of living and sharing and passing on faith. Recent research, recent research shows that it takes five adult relationships for a child to truly connect to the church and commit to a life of faith. Five adult relationships. If you count, that's more than pastor and church educator. We have two church educators now. Still more. It takes more than just the pastor and and youth leader to, to nurture a kid in the life of faith. It takes us all. It takes a village to raise a child in the life of faith. And friends, it's our joy and our privilege and our calling to do so. Our theme today for World Communion Sunday is so fitting. Today in Sunday school, all of our classes from the nursery to the adults studied communion in some way. In our adult class, we discuss how we can effectively talk about communion to children, whether they're our own children or children within the church. Today, as we gather at our Lord's table for communion, we gather with Christians all over the world, and we're connected to them but each time also as we gather, we're connected across generations to share in the feast our Lord's prepared for us. It reminds us that young and old, new Christian and lifelong Christian, we're all on this journey of faith together. No matter what stage of this journey we're on, we all equally need to be fed by a risen Lord at his table. Friends, we have been entrusted with a special treasure the gift of faith. Now let's take this gift home. Let's live it out. Let's share this faith with children and others in our lives that all may realize this God-given gift of faith entrusted to them as well. May we take this faith out beyond the walls of the church and our homes to the world that all might know this redemptive love of God in Christ that is for us all. May it be so, friends.